Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Incredible presence of God this morning. Amen. God is great. Well, last week we talked about moments. And uh, we talked more about the physical moments that we encounter. And we talked about and we learned that we've got to be aware of the moments and not just rush past them. Not just rush past the moments in our life, but take time to understand the moments that we're going through and take time to understand that maybe... God wants us to learn something. He wants us to gain something through those moments. Amen? And then we also learn that we have to give all of our moments to God. And we all struggle with that. Amen? We all struggle to take that moment and say, Hey, God, I give this moment to you. It's not that I'm in control and it's not that the devil's in control. God, I give all these moments to you. And I say, teach me what I need to learn and help me get through the moments. Amen? The right perspective will always help us out. It'll allow God to use those moments to define us correctly rather than us using those moments to define us incorrectly. Amen? Well, this morning I want to kind of change our focus and talk about the spiritual moments in our life. And uh, the whole worship set, I just thought, man, this song is perfect. Man, this is great. This is incredible. This is what we need. And uh, I love when God works that out. Amen? Sometimes us preachers, we, we, we will develop a sermon and, and ask them to sing certain songs, but most of the time we tell them to, hey, you do what God's putting on your heart, and I'm going to do what God's putting on my heart, and I love when it comes together, amen? And so it did. I want us to talk about spiritual moments this morning, but I want to read uh, a few statistics to you so that you'll understand that what I'm talking about is not a lie, amen? Well, Simbala did some research, and uh, he found that Um, we're fairly biblically illiterate. That we don't know the Bible. That we don't even know what the Bible says about certain things. We don't even know where that scripture is. We'll say, and I catch myself all the time, I'm preaching, I'm like, yeah, the Bible says this. And I know that it says it, but I have no idea where. And I got to be careful about that, because if I'm not careful, a lot of the times I'll just hear you say that the Bible says that, then I'll regurgitate that the Bible says that, but I've never looked to see that the Bible actually says that. Come on. Terry, you know this firsthand. I I, I spent some time uh, with her dad as a professor, Dr. Trammell, one of my favorite professors in all of Southwestern, and we took a class called hermeneutics, and it's the study of the Bible. And he brought up some things... Uh, in class, and uh, Woody thought he was going to just shine. Because you see, I, I grew up, I read the Word, I grew up in Bible quiz, and I knew these things, and I sat underneath my pastor, and I was going to be this great youth pastor, and I knew these things. So he said, hey, so the Bible says this, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, pick me, pick me, I know exactly what this means. And then I, I, I said it, and he goes, okay, y'all's assignment tonight is to go home and find out what does the Bible say about that, And what does that mean? And I went home and went. Because the Bible didn't say that. And the Bible didn't mean that. And it was something that was made up. And it made sense. And it preached good. And I mean, you could stand on the chair and preach it. And it probably is still good. But it just wasn't the truth that the Bible had. And, you know... Uh, I I preach this to young people all the time, but in the biblical days, by the time people were 12 years old, they had the first five books of the Bible. They didn't read it, but they memorized it. Would our lives be a little bit different if we memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Yes, it absolutely sure would, because we'd have to spend some time in the Word of God. This is what the statistics said. This This is what he found out. Two out of three people, well over half the people said that they believe that the Bible contains everything we need to have a meaningful life. Two out of three. Wouldn't you guys say, if I asked you, do you believe that the Bible contains everything we need to have a great life and to enjoy life and to have a meaningful life? You guys would all say, yes, we believe that. Amen. But then he went on and he asked them, how many of you actually read your Bible? 
And he found out that one out of five actively read their Bible four times or more a week. So two out of three of us believe, man, the Bible's got all the answers, but one out of five of us actually believe that enough to do something about it. I mean, I'll preach to the drums if I've got to preach to the drums. I'm preaching to all of us. We believe that the Bible contains the answers, but we read the Bible for five minutes a day and pat ourselves on the back and say, man, we sure did a good job. Or we make it to church once a month and we call that doing great. We got to talk about spiritual moments in our life. We believe the Bible, we just don't believe it enough to read it. Come on. Now let's talk about church. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. 46% of churchgoers say that their lives are not changed at all as a result of going to church. Half of us. Listen, we can't read the statistics and say, hey, that's about that church or that's about that denomination. We have to read this statistic as if it's passion church. So 50% of us come to church on a weekly basis and we say that that doesn't change our lives at all. Should we lock up the doors and close the doors? Should we just call it quits? If we're not being changed, what are we doing? Come on, this is tough for me too. Three in five people, which is 61%, do not remember a significant new insight gained by attending church. 61%. Do you know that we don't just prepare sermons and prepare worship sets. We don't just fly by the seat of our pants. I remember maybe you went to that church and you just get the organist and it's the same lady every every week, right? And she's up there and, and, and the guy shows up and we don't even know what songs we're singing and he just says, you know what, pull out your hymnal page, whatever, and you just sang it. That's not how it goes. We pray about things. We say, God, what is it? God, what do you want us to sing? God, what do you want us to do? God, what do you want us to preach? We pour blood, sweat, and tears into all of that, and then 61 of us, 61% of us, we can't even remember a significant new insight that we gained by going to church. Can I tell you, I'm guilty of the same thing? We sit in church, but we're not in church. We sit in church, and because of our cell phones, or because of our busy lives, or because we're thinking, oh my gosh, tomorrow's Monday. We're not even in church, we're just in church. We've got to start being in church. And then this one... One in three, which is 33%, say they've never felt God's presence while being in a congregational setting. We just come, we have church, we check it off the list, we say, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. That's what being a good Christian is, is I go to church. But that's not true. We've got to get to the place where we have spiritual moments. Can I tell you that I believe that the two are linked? Can I tell you that I believe that One of the reasons that we don't have great spiritual moments inside the church is because we're not having great spiritual moments outside the church. What we do is we come to church and we ask that God would pick us up from the pit, that he would wipe us clean from all the week. What if we came already clean? What if we came to the place where we were already excited about Jesus? Where we came, we've been worshiping God all week. We're not trying to get the worship team to get us off of our rear ends and allow us to raise our hands and say, God, I do exalt you. And towards the end of the worship set, we actually start worshiping. What if we had been worshiping all week long so that when we got to the place, we walked right in here and it didn't matter if they were horrible. We were worshiping God because that's what we believed. Don't you believe that we'd have some different spiritual moments? Don't you think that these statistics would be different? So it's our job as a whole to change these statistics. We've got to change these statistics so that we can have spiritual moments in our life. Otherwise, the physical moments that we have are going to kick our rear ends because we're not having any spiritual moments. We've got to have some spiritual moments. See, when you read the Bible, and that's what this series is all about, and you're going to hear two other preachers preach in this same series. And when, when you're preaching about moments, you can't help but look in the Bible and see all of the people that encountered Jesus. And they're going to pick out some people. Some people met Jesus one time. They had one opportunity. And because they were focused on other things in their life, they missed 
that Jesus was even sitting in their midst. They missed that Jesus even had something for them. They came to them with a problem. They wanted him to solve the problem. Jesus didn't do exactly what they wanted it to happen, so they left disappointed, they left upset, they left mad, and their lives were not changed. So they had a moment, they had an encounter with Jesus. And they left and they weren't changed. I think sometimes that's what we do. We have encounters and moments with Jesus, yet we leave and we're unchanged. We're no different than when we first met him. And there's other people that had one encounter with Jesus and it changed their life and it changed the whole course of their whole existence of life. It changed their profession. It changed what they did. It changed how they talked. It changed how they walked. It changed everything about them. That's the moments that I want us to have. See, the truth is, is that I think too many times that salvation is just so easy that you can get saved any church that you walk in the door and then that's it. It's like, okay, well, cool. Do I just keep living my life the same way? Do I just keep doing the same things? Do I keep listening to the same music? Do I keep reading the same books? Do I keep watching the same TV shows? And if nobody tells you any different, you're just going to keep going on the same. See, but people that had encounters with Jesus and their lives were changed, every part of them was changed. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about one of my favorites. My favorites is the story where Paul had an encounter with Jesus. So we're going to read that today. I'm going to read 19 verses. I know it's a lot, but I want you to read this encounter because at the end, I'm going to talk to you about something that I've believed my whole life. And this week I read the Bible and went. Because it wasn't true. It was different. It still preaches good, but it just wasn't true. So we're going to read this in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. So this is the story of Saul who was later called Paul, okay? So in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Come on, all of us can say, we haven't quite been there. We haven't quite been there. That's not the moment that we're living in. We're not seeking out to try to kill the people that believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? So everybody in this room, you're better than Saul. Somebody say amen. So he's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, as we all would, amen? Stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. And did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord! Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their, and proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the life that it has in it. God, I pray tonight, this morning, God, that you would reveal things to us 
that are new, God. That we would gain a significant insight. That we would have a moment with you this morning, God. That would change our life forever and ever. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. That's the conversion of Saul. Saul, wouldn't you say Saul had a spiritual moment in his life. Saul was changed forever and ever. Saul, if you, if you, if you, if you read about it, Saul was never the same from that day forward. Goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Goes on to give us the word that we read today. Saul had a moment, a spiritual moment with God, and it changed him forever. So this morning, what I want to do, I just want to look at three things that led to Saul's spiritual moment. The first is this. He had a physical experience. Something happened in the physical first. See, his spiritual moment happened because he was physically blind. He physically saw a light. He physically was on his way and God showed up in his life. And he physically had a moment. And see, a lot of the times what happens is that God lets the physical come first and he brings the spiritual later. But because we can't get past the physical, we never experience the spiritual. See, and our pastor has preached it that the supernatural is kick-started by the natural. The supernatural is kick-started by the natural. You read about all the, the supernatural things that happened. There was first something natural that happened. Something that was not abnormal. Something that was just natural. And they did that and then the supernatural happened in our life. Amen? So we had a physical experience. The truth is, is that in Saul's life, God had to do something crazy in his life in order to get his attention. See, Saul didn't think he was lost, like most people. There's very few people that say, hey, I'm lost and I'm loving it. They don't say that. So Saul thought he was doing what was right. Saul thought he was doing in life what he was supposed to be doing. And because of that, God had to do something crazy in order to get his attention. What does God have to do to get our attention? What does God have to do? If Saul would have just made his life known to him and would have just made himself open, then Jesus could have just come and said, Hey, Saul, you're persecuting me and it's not right, bud. I want you to change. I want you to do this. You've got all of these things planned, but I've got all of these things. But no, 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 no. Saul is doing himself. Saul is doing what he's supposed to do. And all of a sudden, light had to shine around him. He had to be blind for three days. He had to not eat or drink for three days. He had to be led by the hand. He had to do all of these crazy things just in order for God to get his attention. And what I'm afraid is that God has gotten us saved, but then we, we, he can't get our attention from anything else because we're so focused on everything else that we've got to do. The moments in our life keep us from having a moment with Him. What has God got to do to get our attention? What does He have to do? See, some of us don't like the fact that God may let hard times come in our life just so that we'll pay attention to who He is. That God may just let some hard times come in our life so that it will cause us to get on our knees and exalt Him. Because while everything's going good, you'll never exalt Him. But if you just exalt him, do you see what I'm saying? Amen. But he had a physical experience. There's physical experiences that we're going through. God wants them to lead to spiritual moments. But because we, we can't get past the physical moment, we never have the spiritual moment. See, and then the second thing that led to Saul's spiritual moment, and see, and some of us don't like this theology-wise, but it's the truth. God used other people. Amen. Saul didn't have his spiritual moment by himself. See, what we think is we can have our spiritual moment by ourselves, And the truth is, a lot of the times what I see is that that is not true. In the very beginning when God created man, what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. Yeah, we want to live our life alone. We want to live ourselves guarded. See, what happened is that the experience that happened in his life, it caused and made Saul become vulnerable. And because he was vulnerable, God was able to do something in his life. See, God's got to get us to the place where we'll become vulnerable. Most of us are so guarded, we couldn't have a spiritual moment if we wanted to. Because this is, this is, I don't want anybody to know my business. 
Well, maybe everybody should know your business and maybe you could have a spiritual moment. Maybe if you wouldn't hide your business, maybe you would have already had your spiritual moment. Maybe if you would have understood that you can't do this by yourself, that you need some other people to come around you, some other people from Passion Church, some other people that are already in your life, some other family members that can say, hey, listen, I can see that you're not living the life you're supposed to. Who do you have in your life that can say, hey, you're being a bad husband? Who do you have? Who do you have in your life that says, hey, listen... You're not being a good wife. You're not being a good mom. You're not being a good dad. You're not being good at your job. Who do you have in your life that can say those things to us? And the truth is, is if anybody said us to us, we would write them off. We would unfriend them on Facebook. We'd quit following them. We would post all kinds of nasty things about them. Nasty grams is what we'd call them. And we would just do all those things until they were run into the mud and nobody liked them. But the truth is, is that we need somebody in our life that we let in close enough that can say, hey, Woody, you better straighten up, son. We have a lack of accountability because we say it's not your job to tell me what to do. Actually, maybe it is. Actually, maybe we are called to all have somebody in our life that's an authoritative figure in our life that could tell us. I'm not saying that somebody that can come in your life and say, Tari, I've heard from God. You're to leave your wife and go to this woman. You're to quit your job and go do this. I'm not talking about an authoritative that's stupid. I'm just talking about somebody that can look at Tari and say, Hey, Tari, I can notice in your life that you're not the way that you used to be. I can know that your countenance is a little different. And so I need to ask you, how's your relationship with Jesus? Have you been reading your word? Have you been a good husband? Have you been a good dad? Are you being good at work? Are you doing what you're supposed to? What have you been looking at? What have you been listening to? And somebody in him to grill him and make him come to the understanding of, Hey, I do need to have a spiritual moment in my life. Because I'm not where I need to be. But we just make ourselves an island and we say, oh, I got this. I, I, I'm good on my own. If Jesus needs to tell me something, he'll tell me something. But see, in this story, God used other people. See, here's something else that we don't want to admit. But other people had to obey God in order for Saul to re- receive salvation and baptisms. See, we don't like that. But the truth is, is that the man in the story named Ananias, had he not obeyed God... What would have happened to Saul? I don't know. The story doesn't go that way. The story doesn't give me that example. But if Ananias wouldn't have obeyed God, who would have went and prayed for Saul? Saul probably, possibly, not probably, just possibly. He possibly would have stayed blind for the rest of his life and never had a spiritual moment. But somebody had to obey God so that Saul could receive his sight, so that Saul could have salvation, and so that Saul could be baptized. And that messes with us a little bit. Because we say, oh, no, no, God's going to take care of me. Well, maybe God's going to do it through somebody else. This is the way that God orchestrated it. God could have showed up in the room the same way that he showed up on the road to Damascus. God could have showed up and laid his hands on on Saul and and, and made his sight come back. He could have given him salvation and baptism. But God chose to use other people. And God still today chooses to use other people for our spiritual moments. But let's flip it to the other side. Who's missing out on a spiritual moment because we won't obey? Whose spiritual moment is waiting for the moment for us to have our spiritual moment so that we will go and we will obey what God has for us? Come on. We've got to have our spiritual moment because there's other people that are waiting for us to have our spiritual moment so that they can have their spiritual moment. And what my fear is, is that because we'll never have our spiritual moment, we're never going to obey God. And what if those people don't have spiritual moments? I'll tell you what will happen. They're going to die and go to hell. They're going to live a miserable life on earth. They're going to have all kinds of problems. They're not going to have a good life. And they're going to die and go to hell. Or maybe they're going to have a decent life, but they could have had a great life. But they're still going to end up in the same place. God has people that he's assigned to you. God has family members that he's assigned to you. God has co-workers that he's assigned to you. God has set up and orchestrated so that you will stop at this 7-Eleven so that you can talk to somebody. Maybe you don't like 7-Eleven so that you can stop at this on cue. On cue drinks are 99 cents, 7-Elevens are 79 cents, so which one's better? (laughs) Just saying, something I've been wrestling with. 
Is it worth the 20 cents, Tari? I don't know. I don't know. Still yet to be decided. But God wants you to obey Him so that other people can have their spiritual moment too. Will you obey Him? Or will you disobey Him? I sure am glad that Ananias obeyed Him. Aren't you? Saul did some pretty incredible things in his life. Saul wrote some things in the Bible that I'm very thankful that he wrote because it helps me in my day-to-day life. But I'm sure glad that Ananias obeyed him. So the third thing this morning is that Saul walked in his spiritual moment. He didn't just have a spiritual moment and then be like, Woohoo, I had a spiritual moment. Oh, God is good. And two weeks later, Saul's back killing Christians, back doing things, back in his old lifestyle, back using the same words, doing all those things. No, 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 no. From that moment, Saul walked in his spiritual moment and said, God, I know that this is what you've done in my life, and I know that this is what you're going to keep doing in my life. He walked in his spiritual moment. See, what he didn't do is he didn't explain it away. How many times have we done that? He didn't make excuses for it. He didn't, make, he didn't allow for somebody else to say, Hey, Saul, I, 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 know, I know that you think that this happened, but it really didn't happen. You just dreamed it. Or it really didn't happen the way that you thought that it happened. See, it wasn't, it wasn't God doing these things. It was just lightning that you saw. It wasn't things that he caused you to go blind. You just got some dirt in your eyes and you couldn't see. See, but what happens is that God will... Give us a spiritual moment. We call it a spiritual high. We go to the mountaintop. Have you ever been there? God does something great in your life. Young people have the opportunity to do it more than us old people. Do you know that? Because they go to youth camp and youth conferences and youth rallies and all this stuff. But us older people, we're way too busy for those things. So we don't have those things in our life. Maybe we should have not like a youth rally. Maybe we should have an adult rally. Called an old people rally. Got to be 30 years or older to get in this room. Oh, nope, you're 29, get out. Maybe we should have an adult camp, for real. See, but young people, they get the opportunity. They can go to youth camp. And you know what happens at youth camp? Let me just explain it to you. They lose their cell phones. Most of us would have a spiritual moment if we just took a week break from our cell phone. That's a word from God for somebody today. But we take away their cell phones. We let them have a spiritual... We, we, we let them wake up early in the morning and pray. We're surrounding them around godly people. We've covered the whole week in prayer. We've asked God to do great things. Every night they go and they have a spiritual encounter where they can worship God and they can meet with Jesus. And they have all of these things and they wake up getting ready to leave camp, and they don't want to leave camp because they're on this mountaintop. And if they would continue to walk in what we made them walk in, they would continue to have the spiritual moment. But because they go back home to the same junky music that they listen to, to the same junky social media, they go back to looking at their phone 90% of the time and looking up to say yes the other 10% of the time, or no. Because they go back to that, the spiritual moment that they had, they're not walking in it, so they lose it. See, but Saul had a spiritual moment that he continued to walk in. See, what will happen is that we'll come to this epiphany and we'll have this spiritual moment. God will do something great in our life and he changed us. And then we'll wake up tomorrow morning and go, man, that wasn't real. That was just me. That was just a spiritual goosebump that I got. And I said I wanted to be a better husband, but you guys know I can't be a better husband. So I'm just who I am. No, no, no. You had a spiritual moment. Now walk in that spiritual moment. You had a spiritual moment. How did you get to that place? Keep doing those things. Come on. See, this is the truth. What Saul did is he made for sure that the seed fell among good soil. You guys remember the parable of the sower? Farmer goes out to sow some seed. Some fell along the path. Some fell amongst the rocks. Some fell amongst the thorns. But some fell on good soil. And the good soil took it in, absorbed it, gave it some water, nurtured it, and made it grow so that it could produce a harvest. Can I tell you something? A lot of the times when I heard that growing up, I thought, yeah, man, God tosses out some seed, and sometimes it falls on good soil, and sometimes it doesn't. 
But what I've determined in my own life is that I get to determine my soil level. I get to determine whether the seed that's preached on Sunday morning or that's preached whenever I hear some preaching, that seed, I get to determine, hey, is this going to fall on good soil in my life or am I going to let it just be on the path and tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and it's not going to mean anything? You get to determine the soil. You get to say, hey, I'm going to make for sure that this seed falls on good soil. I'm going to make for sure that this word that came today is going to fall on good soil. I'm going to nurture it. I'm going to make for sure that I water it. I'm going to make for sure that I continue to read the word of God. I'm going to make sure that I continue to pray. I'm going to make sure that I continue to worship. If you don't, you'll wake up every Monday morning and it's just on the path and the birds of the air come and steal it. Saul made for sure that the spiritual moment that he had fell on good soil. And then he walked it out. He walked it out. Now, this is the part that I had a moment when I was reading the Word. So I'm reading this story, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, yeah, so his name was Saul, and then Jesus changed his name to Paul. And man, I'm telling you, that'll preach. Tari, if I could change your name when you got saved, you could say, hey, no, Tari used to do that, but now... Tyrone, Tyrone don't do that no more. I'll go with it. That's good stuff. Tyrone. So see, but if, Tari, when you got saved, if God really did change your name to Tyrone, you could say, hey, Tari used to get mad about this, but Tyrone doesn't. Hey, Tari used to not read the word of God, but Tyrone does. Tari used to do this, but And see, and I've preached it as many times as I could preach it, that we need God to change our name just like he changed Paul's name. Now, the, 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 the misnomer is that that's true. But the truth is, he didn't change Saul's name. He changed Peter's name. Peter was called Simon, and the Lord looked at him and said, you're no longer going to be called Simon, you're going to be called Peter. But you see, when you look it up, and I'm going I'm to share this with you, and I'm just going to read it because it's much easier for me to read it than to try to explain it. But Saul of Tarsus was born a Jew, circumcised on the eighth day of the race of Israel or the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew parentage in observance of the law uh, of the law of Pharisee. That's Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5. The Hebrew name given him by his parents was Saul. Saul was Hebrew. But because his father was a Roman citizen, and therefore Saul also inherited Roman citizen, Saul had a Latin named also called Paul. You can find that in Acts chapter 16, verse 37. This is where it happens. This is where the epiphany happened. It said, Saul, also called Paul, blah, 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 blah. And then from that day forward, it was Paul. I'm like, whoa, wait, who changed his name? Where was Jesus' experience? I think Jesus came down and did this, right? No, he didn't. He had two names from the very beginning. The custom of dual names was very common in those days. Since he, Saul, grew up in a strict Pharisee environment, the name Saul was far more appropriate name to go by because it was Hebrew. But after his conversion, Saul determined. Jesus didn't change his name. Saul determined to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, so he dusted off his Roman name and he became known as Paul, which is a name, which is Latin, which is a name that the Gentiles were accustomed to. So who changed Saul's name to Paul? Paul. Can I tell you, I think that preaches better than having Jesus change your name. Because Tari, you're still called Tari. You were called Tari when you were a sinner. You're called Tari now that you're saved. You were called Tari when you were a horrible, horrible man. But you're still called Tari now that you're a great, incredible man of God. Saul has this epiphany. He says, hey, Saul is Hebrew, and I'm trying to reach a bunch of people that when they hear Saul, they're going to be like, what kind of name is that? And they're going to see that it's Hebrew. And Saul goes, you know what? It'll be way more beneficial for what God wants to do in my life if I go by my Latin name, Paul. Can I tell you that we all have two names? Your name is whatever your name is, but God then changes you and gets you saved and calls you a Christian. He now calls you a Christian. Can I tell you that Christians have run to the word Christian? Christian. 
us Christians have ruined that name. So that now we almost don't even want to say that we're a Christian. Because if we say that we're a Christian, it means all of these misnomers that people have misrepresented the word Christian. Can I tell you, I still want to be a Christian. Because Christian means Christ-like. means a follower of Christ. That's who I want to be. And I'm going to make the decision that I'm going to have a spiritual moment. And I'm going to say that, God, you used to call me Woody, but now you call me a Christian. Now you say that I'm like Christ. Now that you say that I am just like Jesus. It's the Bible I read. And Saul decided that in order to walk out what God had for him, he was no longer going to be called Saul, but he was going to be called Paul. He made that choice. The truth is, we'll have a spiritual moment in our life, and we get to determine how we're going to walk that out. You need to say, hey, you know what? Old Tari would have done that, but new Tari's not. Sorry, I'm picking on you, bud. you just right there. Old Woody, he would have done that. I'll tell you, old Woody, man, he'd have gotten so mad and red-faced, you'd have wondered if he was Satan himself. He would have cussed you up one side and down the other. He'd have walked around the corner with you. He'd have said all kinds of negative things about you. But see, new Woody, that's now a Christian. That's not what God's called me to do. And now I'm supposed to be different. See, what we got is too much gray area in here. Black and white. Just live in the white. It makes it so much easier. The gray, you could be wrong. Just telling you. You could be wrong. We got to live in the white. Abby, if I could have you guys come. Saul, also known as Paul, he continued to walk in what God did in his life. We have these spiritual moments, but do we continue to walk in them? Or do we have a spiritual moment and then we go back to life as usual? I think too many times we have spiritual moments and then we go back to life as usual. We miss out on it. We miss the moment that God wanted to do something great in our life that would change us forever and ever. We miss out on it. We just got to remember that God will use the physical experiences that you go through to help you have spiritual moments. The physical things that you go through, He will allow those things. Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. All things, yes, death. All things, yes, molestation. All things, yes, sin. He will take all of those things and he'll work it out for your good. We got to believe him and have faith in that. But he uses the physical experience. But can I tell you that he also sends people in your life, human beings, to help you have a spiritual moment. So if you shut out all this, all the humans that are in your life, if you shut out all the friends, if you shut out all the people at church, if you shut out all of these things, can I tell you that I can almost guarantee you you're not going to have very many spiritual moments. That's why it's important that we be friends. I don't want to just come to church with you. I want to hang out with you. The only problem is that I'm only one man and I can't hang out with all of you. So that means that you got to hang out with each other. That means that you got to find your way how you can get into somebody's life and you can look at them and say, you're being a bad person and you need to change. And I know that we are all busy. We're so busy. But if that Thunder game comes on, I'm going to watch it. I got time for that, but I ain't got time for you. We got time to watch whatever show you like. I don't know. I'm assuming that most of you have TV since the majority of America do. Does. Sorry. It only embarrasses my wife, not me, so don't worry about it. He's going to use people in your life. Can you name the people in your life? 
How do you remember on Northwest Expressway when we put a big styrofoam five right in the center of the stage? How do you remember that? Just very few of you. That's all right. The best thing is that we record all of our sermons. Somebody say amen. The best thing is that you need to go back and you need to read and you need to listen to and watch the services that Pastor Steve talks about five relationships you must have in your life. My favorite one is a butt kicker. But Pastor Steve doesn't say butt. So we helped him out. I said butt for him. Every time he wanted, he just pointed at me. I said butt. I'm serious. It's the truth. It, it really happened. Go watch the sermons online. Passionchurch.tv. Go to sermons. The sermon series is called Five. I bet you it was like four years ago. Maybe five years ago. How cool would it be if it was five years ago? I'm sorry. I'm in a weird mood. Some point in time, God's going to do something great in our life. I really do apologize. Tell Pastor Steve I'm sorry when he gets back. If I'm still here. he talked about five relationships that we need and I remember it being an incredible sermon series and I can name some of those people in my life I can name those people in my life that I can say hey you know what you text me and you ask me hey have you been praying for your wife and I say nope I sure hadn't but I need to and I'm going to go do it right now do you got that person in your life I've got people in my life that help me what I look at. i got people in my life that are making sure, hey, Woody, are you becoming prideful? Do you think what God's doing through you is because of you or in spite of you? I'm just telling you how I like to live my life. But I remember a day in time when I thought that me and myself, with just my personal relationship with Jesus, I thought that that was just good enough. But it's not. He's going to use other people help you have a spiritual moment and then here comes the hard work after you have a spiritual moment you gotta walk in it you gotta walk in that spiritual moment that means that if God does something in your life on Sunday morning you better set your alarm early on Monday morning and spend some time with him or you will lose that to a bird that comes by and steals it or later on that week to some vine that grows up and chokes it out or the sun will scorch it away you got to get up in the morning and make for sure, hey, I'm going to have time to make this seed fall on good soil. Amen. Lord Jesus, this morning, I pray that you'd help us. God, help us this morning. God, we need, desperately need, to have some spiritual moments in our life. God, these statistics appall us, God. God, we want to come to church and get significant insights that change our lives. God, we want to come to church and experience your presence. God, we want to open up the Bible and read for ourselves what you said to us. God, we don't want to just believe that the Bible is good and great for our life, God. We want to read it and allow it to be good and great in our life. God, I pray for all of us that you'd help us in all of these areas. If you say, Woody, when you talk about reading the Word, spending alone time with God on my own, that's something that I struggle with. And you say, that's something that I need some help with. I want to have a hunger to spend time with Him in word and prayer. If that's you, nobody looking around, just raise your hand and acknowledge and say, that's me. Yep, I see hands up all over the place. Yeah, that's me. You can put your hands back down. How many of you this morning would be honest enough to say, I had a spiritual moment with God. 
but I didn't walk in it. And I'm ready to start walking in that spiritual moment. If that's you, raise your hand. Yep, I see your hands all over the place. You can put your hands back down. How many people in this room say, you know what? I need to have a spiritual moment in my life right now. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, hands up everywhere. You can put your hands down. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? There was people everywhere that raised their hands and said that they wanted they wanted a hunger to spend time with Him in prayer and in reading His Word. Can I tell you the best way to do that? Just do it. I don't have anything crazy for you. I don't have a special prayer that we can pray. All I can tell you is that the enemy will always try to get you to not do it because that's what unlocks everything else in your life. That. Right there. I'll tell you some, I'll tell you some easy things. If you do it in the morning, you won't excuse it away all day long. You won't fall asleep in bed after you've read 13 verses. Get up in the morning. If you have a problem falling asleep when you read the Word, which is what I do, stand up and read it. I fall asleep standing up. Read it out loud. You're not going to fall asleep while you're talking out loud. But the truth is, you're going to have to do it. You're just going to have to make up your mind, hey, I'm going to do this. You know what? The, the, the world's trying to make it harder for us to do it. But can I tell you, thank God that He's sending people to make it easier for us to do it. Do you know back in the day, I, I talked to the young people about this on Wednesday. Back in the day, if you were going to read the Word of God all the time, you had to carry it around. You had to look like a nerd. Look like a holy roller. People made fun of you. Is that, is that a Bible? Did you bring a Bible to class? Yeah. Why? Why did you bring a Harry Potter book? In case you get bored, you want to read it. In case I get bored, I have free time, I want to read this. See, but can I tell you that I don't have mine with me? But can I tell you that we all got phones? Most of them have the Bible on it. Most of them not only have the Bible on it, but have Bibles. Plural. With a whole bunch of them on there. They got reading plans on there. Listen, if you're a forgetful person, it sets up reminders. It'll bleep at you just like a text message and say, hey, you didn't read the Word of God. And you'll be like, oh yeah, just plumb slipped my mind. But now I can read the Word of God and I can be reminded. We have more reasons to read the Word of God now than we have not to. Yet we still find reasons not to. But you just got to do it. If you have a spiritual moment that you've had in your life and you haven't walked in it, you got to start walking in it. Start praying out loud. Hey God, back in whatever year it was. Back in how many weeks ago? How many years ago? Whatever it is. God, back then, you gave me a spiritual moment and I haven't been walked in it. Back then, you called me to do this and I didn't do it. Back then, you told me to go talk to so and so and I didn't do it. Back then, you told me to talk to this family member and I didn't do it. But God, today, I'm going to do it. Do it today while today is still called today. Worst thing that happens in all of our lives is that tomorrow never comes. We always talk about it at the start of the year. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to start the diet. But today, I'm going to enjoy my life. And then tomorrow comes, you're like, ah, you know what, what's one day? I'm just going to start it tomorrow. And then we never start it. Hey God, tomorrow I'm going to start reading the Word of God. How about today? How about right now? How about when you go home? Stand up for 10 minutes before you take your Sunday afternoon nap. Read two chapters. See if it'll change your life. Walk in your spiritual moment. And those of you that raised your hand and said, You know what? I want to have a spiritual moment in my life. I need to have a spiritual moment. Know and understand that the supernatural is kick-started by the natural the natural. So what are you going to do in the natural? What are things that you can do right now in the natural that says to God that you want to have a spiritual moment in your life? And you got to start doing those things.
If you raised your hands for any of those, would you raise your hands up high and let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, right now I lift up all of these people to you, God. The ones that said that they want to have a hunger to spend time with you. God, I pray that you would allow them to do it today. God, I pray that you would uh, 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 allow them to clear their schedule, to make the choice that they're going to spend time with you, whether in prayer or whether in reading your word, God, that they would just do something. God, I lift up the ones that had a spiritual moment with you but didn't walk in it, God. I pray that they would start walking in it, and not tomorrow, but today, God, that they would leave this place saying, God, you changed me. God, you made me new. God, you made me this person, and I'm going to walk in it, God. Help them to walk in it, Lord Jesus. And God, for every single person that they're hands raised and said, I need to have a spiritual moment in my life. God, I lift them up to you today, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do something great in their life, God. Allow them to start working out in the natural, God, what they want to see happen in the supernatural, God. God, let them walk and carry out in the natural, God, what they already know to do. And then, God, somewhere along the way, God, I pray that they'd have a spiritual moment and that it would change them forever and ever. God, I pray that you would send people to their life. God, human beings, us, family members, people from Passion Church, God, send co-workers to their life, God, and help them have a spiritual moment. God, let them put the guards down. Let them make themselves vulnerable. God, and I pray that we would all have spiritual moments. God, and that we would walk in them. God, I pray that you'd help us all, Lord Jesus. Help us all to take home what we learned today. God, let it be significant in our life. Let it change us. Let it rearrange our life. God, let it do something new in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.